convince yourself. Let your mind hear what your mouth is saying today. Make the connection. Let your soul know, I will remain. Stay steadfast. Come on, who's going to live long enough to see the goodness of the Lord? The devil's tried to kill you. He's tried to stop you. He's tried to derail you. He's tried to distract you. He's tried to disappoint you. He's tried to leave you down and out. But day after day, God has brought you up and out. Come on, I will remain. chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. While you're turning there, if you have uh, an iPad, an Android device, an iPhone, some kind of smartphone, smart device, maybe a dumb device. If you'll go to the Bible app and pull up live events, you'll see a Crossroads Church there, and you can click on that and have all of our sermon notes, and you can interact there and certainly make your own notes. Say amen when you're there. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Let's look at God's word together. It says, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them ahead. And he said, go into the village over there. And he's he's talking about Jerusalem. And he he told them, as soon as you enter into it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Now, you need to remember that as our whole 
Genesis point, launching point today is off of that right there, that, that no one has ever ridden. And he says to untie it and to bring it here. And verse 3 says, if anyone asks what you are doing, just say to them, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. Let me tell you, just stop real quick right there. That's a message in of itself. If we'll do more of just repeating what Jesus has told us to say. Amen. It, it, it didn't say the disciples said, well, let's, let's form a committee. Let's get a committee together. And uh, let's take a vote to see what God has us to do. No, Jesus said, you tell them this is what the Lord said to do. And then he says, and then I'll return it soon. In verse 4, the two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street. And tied outside the front door. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing? Of course, their response was, we're untying that colt. Uh, what are you doing untying that colt? And they said, well, we're doing what Jesus has, has told us to do. And, and they were permitted to take it. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it. And he sat on it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you've done up to this point. And not just this stuff, but, but the things that you're about to do. Lord, we sit in here with expecting hearts, with expecting hearts. Our hearts are expecting great things because you're a great God. You don't do, don't do small, insignificant things. You do amazing, outstanding. You lavish your love on us. You do great things. So we sit here with expecting hearts. Our souls are expecting a miracle. Our hearts, our marriages, our finances, our careers, our children, we are expecting, we're sitting here expecting you to show up and do what only you can do. I can't heal these people. Only you can, God. I thank you for the sweet presence that we feel in this place. We honor that and we acknowledge you today, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're in this room with us to lead us and to guide us. And all truth. And God's people said, Amen. So be it. Give the Lord a praise today as you're seated in the house of the Lord. Well, next week we're going to be wrapping up our series, Breaking Bad. Um, today we're talking about breaking in. And next week, I'm excited. I, I'm already expecting next week to be pretty powerful because um, God has given me a word already. We're going to be preaching and teaching about breaking out. And uh, man, I believe. Next Sunday, we're, we're going to see the roof come off this place. I really believe that. I'm telling you, get ready. You need, to, you need to invite somebody here. You need to get somebody here, someone who's held in depression, someone who is held by their past. If you know someone that needs to break out, to break through, you need to get them here next Sunday. And uh, God's going to do some crazy, crazy stuff. And, and, and I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. But this week, we're talking about breaking in. And for those that maybe this is your first time here today, just kind of lead you to where we've been and where we've been traveling and teaching already up to this point. And we've been talking about the series Breaking Bad. And we, we talked about, remember week one, we talked about broken, how our common denominator is that we are all broken and flawed on some level. We've all been broken before. We've had broken marriages and broken homes and broken arms and broken bones and and uh, broken noses and all kinds of stuff. We've been broken before in all kinds of ways. And uh, some of us are just broke as a joke. You know, whatever. I mean, we're just broke. We've been broken before. We, we talked about what it means to be broken before God. And I'm going to say it again today, and I've, I've said it every week, but simply this is, and I, I love this statement because it resonates so deep within the innermost parts of my soul. 
And, uh, you know, the, the world says that if you're broken, we can't use you. But God says, unless you're broken, I can't use you. Who's that for today? Yeah, the world says if you're broken and flawed, I can't use you. But God says, unless you're broken, I can't use you. So we talked about the beauty of brokenness and how God can use us through that brokenness. And, of course, we had we, um, Easter last week. Not Easter, but we had Easter last week. Easter is next year. Uh, but we had Easter last week and, and uh, saw so, so many amazing people respond to the altar and to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And trust maybe even some of those came back this week. And, and uh, just what God was doing through the power of the cross. Isn't the gospel, it's such a, it's such a simple yet powerful message. Amen? I mean, really, the gospel tells itself. Uh, the story of the cross tells itself. And it's, it's, I was talking with someone this week who recently gave their life to the Lord and was sharing with them and encouraging them. And still, they were, they were still baffled, as I am, and maybe as you are, just of God's generous love towards us. They said, Pastor Matt, how is it that God can love me? I said, brother, I have no idea because he loves me too. I asked that same question, who, who else is with me today? I said, every day I'm dumbfounded that God loves me the way he does, that he still uses me, but that's just who he is. And aren't we glad that we're not God? Oh, I should have said I got a big amen on that one. Because if the person next to you were God, you'd, you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> that's just the truth of it anyways, and hopefully it's not your spouse you're sitting next to. Anyway. Jesus tells them to go into that village over there. He told them, as soon as you enter it, you're going to see a young donkey. You're going to see a colt, which is defined as this a male, uh, a male uh, horse, a male donkey uh, that has not been ridden, that has not been broken in. It's a way to define it. And it was a colt is three years or younger. And once they get three years younger, they change. A colt no longer is a colt. It matures into a stallion. And we're going to tile this. I'm going to, I'm going to, hopefully pull all the pieces together and paint the picture that I want you to see of this and why this is so valuable. Why, why would Jesus, the king of kings, ride in his triumphal entry on a donkey? I'm just saying. Kings and princes and, and, and kings of, of, of that day and age had stallions and horses and Arabian horses and steeds and and uh, had multiple chariots and had an entourage when they came in. Here yet is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he comes riding in his 15 seconds of fame on a donkey. Yet not just any donkey, but on one that had never been ridden before. And they did just as Jesus said. They went into the city. They found it just as he said they would find it. Here we go again, Jesus doing everything that he said he would do, just as he said it would be. For whoever this is, this is a free one. This isn't going to cost you anything this morning. But let me just tell you, if Jesus has told you something, stay with it. Stick to it. Don't be distracted or dismayed. Come on, somebody. The world's trying to pick at you and get you to look to the left or the right. And Jesus says, he's saying, over here, over here. You ever do that to your kids? Hey, snap out of it. Snap out of it. Come on, parents. You with me today? Hey, I'm going to do it all of you. Hey, hey, look right here. Look at here. Look me in the ass. All right. <laughs> and so Jesus sometimes, I believe, is snapping his fingers. Hey, hey, get with the program. Come on, pay attention. And he says, you're going to find this colt, and it's tied there. If you'll tell them the Lord sent me to get it, they'll let you take it. 
I think so often we overcomplicate the process of God's calling in our lives. Obedience is just that. Just like our kids do with us when, when we tell them to do something. But why? We say, because I, man, my dad said that. And his dad said that. And his dad before him said that. And all the way down through through King David and all the way back through Gideon and through the book of Judges and, and, and all the way back through, we find Abraham saying, because I told you so. Because he heard it from God the Father. <laughs> Are you with me today, church? Just be obedient. Look at your neighbor and say, be obedient. Just be obedient. Just do what Jesus is telling us to do. And so Jesus comes in on his triumphal entry and he comes in, this is, this is the Passion Week, the week before, all of what we're reading is before what happened last week when we celebrated Easter. We're out of order on purpose here for the illustration of today's message, but the idea of God breaking us in, because I can't preach next week's message and God can't give you the breakout until you've had to break in first, until you've been broken in you'll never know the value of breaking out. So today, we have to endure the tough stuff today to get the liberty and freedom next week. How many can hang with me for seven days until next week? All right. Awesome. We've got one person over here. That's awesome. Well, it's going to be a tough crowd. <laughs> and so, is this thing on? Check one, two. It's a little hot, hot. Um, and so, Jesus is in the process of riding in through the streets of Jerusalem. And we know, for those of us that know the story, Jesus comes in, they lay, as was customary before any king, they would lay their garments down, they would lay palm leaves down. It was a way to signify that royalty was coming into the streets. This was prophesied in Zechariah that this would happen just this way. And again, Jesus fulfilling prophecy, and he comes riding in as a, as a king of Jerusalem, right? Comes riding in, is called the triumphal entry, and then later he would go to the cross, and then kind of the week after the cross, it's, it's like where we are. Can you imagine if, if Jesus had died last week and we're his disciples and his apostles and, and we're kind of asking ourselves this question like, what, what, what's next? What happens next? Sure, the three days have gone by that Jesus has, has resurrected and he appeared, the Bible says he appeared for 40 days before he made his final ascension into heaven. So, just imagine a week after Easter, we talked a little bit about doubting Thomas two weeks ago. How many remember that story? And, you know, I got to see the holes in your hands and the piercing in your side for me to believe. And God, was we all doubt sometimes. We all have doubt in our lives. And, and here we are. My question to you, church, is what will we do with what he did? Let me say that again. What will we do with what he did? The gospel of Jesus Christ is amazing, powerful, delivering, setting free, uh, wall-destroying, uh, chain-breaking, powerful message. But if we don't talk about it, people aren't going to know about it. And the devil wants the church of Jesus Christ to be just that, the frozen chosen. Come into a, a room with four walls and some screens and, and get pumped up just for your own benefit. But friend, can I tell you, he hasn't pumped you and primed you today. When you pump and prime something, you do it so there's a release of something. Are you with me today, church? When you pump and you prime something, you get it ready, but it's because there needs to be a release of it. 
God pumps us and he primes us in these corporate settings. So when we go into the world today and tomorrow, there is a release of the anointing that we have received today. Look at your neighbor and say, what you got today, you got to give away tomorrow. That was good right there. Somebody should give the Lord a praise. That what you got today, you need to be prepared to give away tomorrow. It's not so God can come and pat you on the back and say, well done, good and faithful servant. As if God sounds like some radio host. The waitresses, you just won. No, I don't know what God sounds like. If he sounds like a radio host or what, but what if, what if he does? What if we get to heaven and God's like, hello and welcome to heaven. And you're like, you know that voice I was hearing in my head? That was God the whole time. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> Yes, you are crazy, by the way. <laughs> and so, Jesus, Jesus begins his ministry. Scholars and theologians say between three and three and a half years of actual ministry was all that Jesus had. I want to stop and think about that for a second. Everyone in this room, except for couple little babies over here, some over here, and I think a couple over here. Everyone else is four and up. Jesus had in his adult life, in his 30s, three to three and a half years to reach and touch and affect the world. Now, you sit in that chair just as I sat in my office study this week and said, now, wait a minute. Hold on. We're, We're talking apples and oranges here, God. You're talking about Jesus Christ, your son. How can I say that I can do what he did. But yet, can I tell you the scriptures? Jesus looked at his disciples and said, guess what? You see the the things that I have done? Not only will you do that, but you will do greater. Come on, somebody. That's pretty powerful. Can I tell you today, Crossroads family, that God wants to use you. Yes, little old you. You that has nothing to give. You that has always woe is me. You that the glass that the glass is always half empty and, and nothing's ever going your way. Well, if God would just do that, then man, I sure could give a little more. No, 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 you wouldn't. Because as soon as you get more, you would say, Well, God, but if you would just do that, I'd be happy to tie there. I would happy to be go serve over here if you could just help here. The last time I checked, God doesn't give gifts based on if you're going to give him something in return. You're thinking like you, and God is not like you, baby. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not like you. Sorry, right, to burst your bubble. You know, I don't know what your expectations were of today, (laughs) but the pastor has got to send me as a messenger all the way from Salado, Texas, south of here to tell you that we are not God, but we think like ourselves. And here Jesus is, three, three and a half years of his ministry. Didn't I tell you that a colt is defined as a male horse, a a donkey even, a male horse, three years and younger? And then I begin to think about Jesus' ministry was three to three and a half years. That means that somewhere when Jesus began his ministry, there's a colt that was born by some random farmer near Jerusalem. This colt made it, survived harsh winters, survived harsh conditions, 
let's not forget that Israel and Jerusalem is in the Middle East. So all of my military men and women who have been through deployments, you've been to Iraq and Afghanistan, Israel looks just like that. Definitely parts of it. And when you see where Moses probably wandered through the, the wilderness, when you walk there and you go out there and they take you on these tour buses and you're like, how could anyone live out here for 40 years? It just shows you the power of God. Stay with me. And this whole time for three, three and a half years. See, we, we have to understand, church, is that in this day and age, over 2,000 years ago, people didn't have animals as pets. If you had an animal, either you ate it or it worked the field. It's that simple. There, there, there were no cats and stray dogs and, like, you know, three-legged, one-eyed dogs named Lucky running around. If, if you couldn't eat it and it could produce, then either you killed it, you ate it, whatever. So there were no pets. It wasn't as if this donkey, this colt, was just a pet of this farmer. What I'm trying to get you to see is that God's desire and purpose is always so much bigger than ours. Can you imagine this farmer that this colt belonged to, this colt is born? He may have not even ever heard of Jesus, who Jesus was claiming to be the son of God. He's just a farmer. He's just got a colt. This colt has never been broken in. This colt has never been ridden. And for three, three and a half years, which would have been the same age that Jesus needed this colt to have been for him to ride in on this unridden, unbroken in colt. And Jesus came riding in, prophesying that he would come riding in on a donkey, as Zechariah said. He would come running in through the eastern gates. And what I'm trying to set you up, church, is to tell you that whether it's three, three and a half years or four years or use whatever number you want to put in your life, that God has been priming you. He's been prepping you. He's been breaking you in so that you can eventually have your breakout moment. God is breaking us in. Have you ever wondered what it looks like to break in a horse? What, it, what that process looks like? Turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Ha, there are no perfect. But also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue and deceives his own heart, this one's religion is is, what does it say? Useless. See, part of breaking in a horse is that when you put the bridle into the horse's mouth, obviously it's designed to be able to control it. What a great parallel to our lives. I think many of us could find freedom and deliverance in good portions of our parts of our lives simply if we would give control of our mouths over to the Holy Spirit. 
you better use your mouth like him and say amen. Take the bread out. Seriously, think about it. How often have we wounded ourselves, gotten ourselves in trouble because we opened our, our trap? And how funny it is that a mouth is even called a trap because it gets you in so much trouble. Proverbs says, tells us to let our words be few, to choose our words carefully. Let our words be few. How cautious and careful are we of the words that we choose? Are we building people up with our words or are we tearing our spouses down? Are we lifting up our kids and validating them and encouraging them? Or are we, are we bringing them down? Are we gossiping and backbiting and destroying or are we encouraging and lifting people up? We see this today in our age and the culture we, which we live through, through via social media, right? Have you ever looked at someone's Facebook page, maybe it's your friend with or on Twitter or Instagram, and you're like, they need a slap button on here. Anyone else ever thought that? It's okay. Let's just be real. Because you'll say it out loud doesn't mean that it's not thinking it. You know, so I'll say what we're all thinking. Like, there needs to be a slap button or a shut up button or something. Yes, I said shut up in church. My mom's not here today. So she can't wash my mouth. I was told. <laughs> and text her and tell her not. Somebody can Facebook it. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 12. I think this one is for so many. Please turn there. It's on the screen, though, as well. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, God is breaking us in, church. He's breaking us in. You think about the disciples. They, they, were, they were fishermen and tax collectors and just kind of run-of-the-mill men, nothing extra special or ordinary about them. They didn't really stand out. They were apprenticeships in something and some form of, uh, uh, of job that they were in. And again, following the footsteps of their father. We know Simon and Peter both follow the footsteps of their father as a fisherman. And, and, and uh, Simon Peter is one guy. I'm, I'm calling him two guys. Excuse me. And so, um, and so we have these disciples, and, and yet these were dis- they'd never been disciples. They've never been broken in. And Jesus comes along, and he takes them, and he begins to break them in for his kingdom. And the breaking in process is a tough process. And we can't rush that process. We need to allow God to use that process to do just that, to, to break us in for his kingdom and for his glory. Look at your neighbor and say, you're being broken in. And, and the breaking in process is not for God's benefit, it's for your benefit. I, I would venture to bet that 100% of us in here at some point, probably our common denominator today is that we've all said multiple times or recently or even today or this week, God used me. Raise your hand if you've ever said that before in your life. Probably all, all the hands should go up in here. Yeah, yeah. God used me. We've all said that. When we pray that prayer and we mean that prayer, God used me, God says, okay. You ask for it, but I can't use you like you are right now. I can't use you like you are right now. You want me to use you? Okay. Snap, crackle, pop. God says, I'm going to start breaking you in. Have you ever, has anyone ever bought a brand new car off the showroom floor? Do you know when you do that, you have to break that engine in? The last thing you want to do is get out there and slam the 
pedal to the ground and burn up the cylinders and all the valves and the O-rings on that stuff. Will, it'll burn up and combust. You know, you don't want to do that. You gotta, you gotta break it in. How many of you have ever maybe had a couple of marriages or one marriage or wherever you are in your marriage line? But marriages have to be broken in. All the married people said, "Yeah, whoo, yeah, amen, brother." I needed to hear that. Yeah, marriages have to be broken in. And some of the ladies in here, I'm pastor. I'm still trying to break him in. <laughs> Been trying for 14 or 16 years, you know, whatever. <laughs> He's a stubborn old horse or donkey or whatever, you know. So, anyway, some of you will get that later when you get home. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end is death. We sometimes want to say, it's my way or the highway. My question to you, how well is that working out for you? Are you really going to stand before God and say, God, it's my way or the highway? Uh, really, you're going to, we're really going to oppose the king of the universe? The God who spins the planets with his hands, who can hold the earth in his hand, who the Bible says the earth is his footstool, as, as Psalms tells us, we're, we're really going to oppose the God of the universe? What would it look like in our lives if we truly started yielding to the process of God beginning to break us in? And we said with the whole heart and full commitment and full resolve, say, God, use me, and I will allow you to break me in. Do what you must do. Break me in. Break me in. Because I don't know about you, church. I want to break through and break out to bigger and better things. Amen. Give God a praise in this place. The Bible says that we must mature as believers. We must mature, or at least it's a suggestion at best. We must mature as believers. I have some signs. Here's some signs. Is this on the Bible app? Did we put those on there? Okay. If you got the Bible app, you can read along with me. Here, here are like 12 signs, 12 signs that you are maturing in age. 6 a.m. is when you get up, not when you go to bed. You hear your favorite song on an elevator. You watch the Weather Channel. Or the Lawrence Welk Show. Let's go. <laughs> You're the one calling the police because those kids next door won't turn down the stereo. I like this next one. You don't know what time Taco Bell closes anymore. Your car insurance goes down and your payments go up. <laughs> Sleeping on the couch makes your, makes your back hurt. I like this next one. Dinner and a movie is the whole date instead of beginning of one. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> so us. All right, this next one is even better. Eating a basket of chicken wings at 3 a.m. would severely upset rather than settle your stomach. <laughs> you go to the drugstore for ibuprofen and acids. You actually eat breakfast food at breakfast time. 90% of the time you spend in front of a computer is for real work. <laughs> Turn with me last of all to Hebrews chapter 5. Here's a quote by John McNaughton. It says, maturity begins to grow when you can sense your concern for others outweighing the concern for yourself. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. 
There's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. It's basically like you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Listen, he says, you are spiritually dull. What an, in, what an indictment on someone. For someone to say you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And what an, indi- what an indictment on us as believers if we fit that. When we start whining, complaining about the music or, oh man, Pastor Matt, he moved the screens. They were way up here and now they're way over here. And if I sit in the middle, I've got to strain my neck. Well, God help you that people in other parts of the world don't have a church to worship in. And we've got to look just a little bit further over one direction or the other. Isn't it a terrible thing that we have a nice building and an air conditioner to come to? What a terrible thing. Are you with me today, church? And we'll bicker and we'll fight over the color of the carpet. It's too cold. It's too hot. These chairs are way too soft. Uh, I, when I sit down, I won't sink into them and fall. That's such a terrible thing. God forbid that we spent money on a nice chair. Hear my heart, church. What the Word of God is telling us is if you really want God to use you, part of the breaking in process is that there's maturity that develops in you. So the stuff that bothers a kid, watch, it doesn't bother the adult. But when you see the adult acting like a kid, we say something is wrong with them. They are clinically diagnosed. Something somewhere is not firing the right way. Spiritually, it is no different. We have a bunch of believers stuck in spiritual puberty. For those that were sleeping or fooling around on your phone bunch of believers stuck in spiritual puberty. I have a teenager, a lover, but spiritual pure puberty. You know what? You just, you're stuck in spiritual puberty. You're, 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 you're in that no man's land. You, you know, you're still a little, still a little bit of a kid and kind of the adult still trying to come out and, and you're awkward in your walk with God. Remember what it was like men and women when you were going through puberty? And you, you want to forget all that. I said, Pastor Matt, why in God's name are you bringing that up? Like, I barely made it through again. Why in God's name are you bringing it up now? I'm bringing it up now because spiritually that's where you're at for some of us. And we're stuck in this moment, in this place where, believe it or not, you have an amazing life. And if you'll give God a chance to break you in, you'll see him break you out to big and beautiful and amazing things. But it takes you to mature And it is not us waiting on God. It is God waiting on us. And we keep saying, God, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to? You know what he's saying? When are you going to do it? I've already done it. Jesus said it was finished. You are not waiting on me. I am waiting on you. So for the believer in here today, as your pastor, I told you today we got to get through the rough stuff to get to the breakout. The breaking in, it's not pretty. It's ugly. It hurts. I don't like it when God takes me and he snap, crackle, pops me, when he breaks my pride, when he humbles me, 
But when he does that, he's doing it not for him. He's doing it because he loves you. He's, the Bible says he prunes those he loves. He cuts back the branches of those that he loves. He chastises those he loves. Are you with me today, church? It has nothing to do. It's because he loves you that he's breaking you in. Just like this cult, God is saying, I'm going to use you for my kingdom. I'm going to use you for my glory. Everyone in the world, his disciples probably thought he was crazy. Why is the king of kings and the Lord of lords the, his most amazing moment, and yet he wants to go riding in on a colt, on a donkey? Surely, Jesus, you want to ride in on a beautiful stallion. Surely you want us to get an Egyptian stallion, an Arabian stallion. Don't you, Jesus? And he says, no, 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 no. I take the simple things to confuse the wise. I'm going to go riding in on the thing that no one expected me to ride in on. And that's you. When God starts doing great things with you, the world will look at you and say, how in the world are you doing the stuff that you're doing? That's when you can just shake those haters off because you know that you've been through a breaking process. And God has been breaking you and pruning you and stripping you of your pride, hasn't you? He's brought you down to the lowest parts so that when you see him for who he is and you li he lifts you up and he elevates you, you give him the glory. That's when he gets all the praise. Stand to your feet all across this place today. God, break me in. God, break me in. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender. Oh, to Him, I freely give. I will Our staff.
you're here today, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you've come a couple of times, and maybe you've been coming a while, and we every Sunday, we certainly want to give you an opportunity to, to make Jesus a part of your life. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just as an act of, just a, kind of a corporate thing we can do together to make a significant thing in this moment that we can come together in. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Matt, if I were to leave this planet today, today were my last moment on earth, and there is a part of me that is unsure if I would make heaven my home. I am unsure. I'm not 100% sure that if I were to leave this planet today, that I would spend eternity with Jesus, and I want to know that. I want to make things right with God. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you, sir, in the back. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly, come on. Thank you. Put your hand back down. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly. Say, Pastor Matt, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. I want to make things right with God. I want to know. I want to know. Come on, there's somebody else out there. I'm the only one looking. Come on. God's looking, but let me see those hands. Come on. I want to know, Pastor Matt. I want to know that for beyond a shadow of a doubt, I would make heaven my home. Thank you. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins that you died for me and that in three days you rose from the grave and that you are in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. Thank you for dying for me and giving your life for me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing it one more time with us. Jesus. Oh, to Jesus. 